Welcome to Reptopod Podcast, where we discuss keeping styles, news, and uncommon species. Your hosts for Reptopod Podcast are Kyle from D20 Exotics and Bryce from Prime Exotics, bringing you awesome content about exotics. So Bryce, what have you been up to? So this week's been a little bit different than most weeks. And I actually sold a lot of my collection, um, almost everything. And that's because I'm getting into breeding. And I'm planning on breeding mainly colubrids. And I'm, I'm going towards the Honduran path. And now I did have some Hondurans, but I want adults. I don't want to wait like three years for hatchlings to grow up. And so I'm next week picking up a, a hatchling rack. And I'm getting towards the whole breeding so I'm really excited to pick up some more Hondurans, and the guest that we're bringing on later, uh, I think I'm going to get a couple from him again, which I did in the uh, past. But other than that, that's like the main thing. What about you, Kyle? I'm still kind of getting ready to move, planning out the reptile room slash office, um, kind of figuring out, essentially, I think I'm going to cut down the corn snakes a little bit. Um, not necessarily cut down, I guess that's the wrong term for that but um hone in more what i want to do with the corn snakes so some of the genes that are not part of the projects i want to work with i think i'm going to start selling off and then trying to acquire more corns with the genes that i actually want and go from there um i uh, i am planning on doing some pairings next season so corns and hondurans will probably get paired next season uh, assuming all goes well um, and ultimately, it's just going to be a, a, a fun time moving all the reptiles and then um, figuring out where I'm going to go with the collection. Yeah, that's really I exciting. Do like the, I do like the idea of just a clean slate, so to speak. Right. And then, you know, decide what you want to get into that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'm going to do that, but <laughs> I yeah, like the I'm idea. It's, well. it's a great idea. Yeah. This week's episode, we are bringing on Ethan from SoFlow Reptiles. He is a colubrid breeder and breeds a lot of different snakes and also geckos. So, Ethan, can you tell us about what you keep? Sure. Um, I say a lot of colubrids and a lot of New Caledonian species, um, mainly crested geckos, but I have a ton of gargoyles and some lychees and other small species from, from New Caledonia I work with. That's awesome. Um, what do you what do you like more with breeding wise, like the geckos, the snakes? What is that you think? I mean, I really flip flop. Like both of them, you know, I'll go into the gecko room and something will catch my eye, and I'll fall back in love with the geckos. And then the opposite will happen with the colubrids. I mean, every day it's it's like a adventure because I'll remember I have you know this one grow out gecko that looks like nothing else I've ever seen before, and it kind of draws my my attention back into geckos for a day and vice versa. But, um, you know, snakes, it's, the problem is the snakes are more seasonal, so I only really um, get to breed them once a year. Um, whereas the geckos, I can see babies hatch almost all year round. So that's pretty fun. Kind of fills in the schedule. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what clue broods did you say you breed? Um, I specialize in milk snakes, I'd say. Um, 
do a lot of Honduran milks, Nelson's milks. I got some more rare ones like Conan's. Um, I do a lot of kink snakes. So I got mountain kink snakes, obviously some California kink snakes, uh, deserts, Mexican blacks, um, fair eyes. I'm getting really big into the, the variable kings. Those are awesome. Um, but I got some weirder colubrids like your Moosaranas. I was telling you guys about those the other day. Um, I got some Moosaranas I'm working with, some pine snakes, bull snakes, um, a little bit of everything. Not too many rat snakes right now, though. Trying to get more into those. Snakes are booming right now, especially the Asian rat snakes. Oh, yeah. Seeing those all over. Everybody's trying to get into those. Oh, yeah. I got some Texas rats right now. Maybe I have a couple of uh, scalists and some annery scalists, which are the purple ones. Then I have some leucistics as well. Um, but the Asian rat snakes, I haven't, I don't know, I just haven't made the jump to, to get into that. I feel like there's so many. So many to, to dive into. I can't really decide which which locale I want to do. Yeah. Um, how many snakes would you say you have? Uh, breeders or babies? Um, breeders. Or just everything. Breeders, um, this season I'll have about, including males, I'll have about 100 um, adult colubrids. And then on top wow. of that, I probably have... Yeah, I'll probably have um, 200 snakes growing out. So those mm. are going to be my future breeders. I have some that will be ready next year. Some cool morphs and the Hunter and Melks and Nelson's Melks. Um, and, you know, some odds and ends. And then um, on top of that, I have about another another 150 or so uh, babies um, that are for sale right now. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. What about what about geckos? I mean... Yeah. Geckos, uh, around I'd say around the same numbers. I probably have a little over a hundred adults uh, breeding uh, different species. A big chunk of that's going to be the crested geckos, but I I also got Saracenorums, I got Lichianus, uh, Eurodactyles, gargoyles. I'm working on some really nice um, some really nice. I call them ghost gargoyles. They're it's a solid white gargoyle with jet black stripes going down the back. So. We'll see how that goes. Wow. Um, those are going to be fun. Um, but yeah, about 100 breeders, another 100 grow outs, and then probably 200 babies on the Cressids and Gargoyles for sale right now because they just produce a lot more than the snakes do. Yeah. So how do you keep all these reptiles? I know we discussed the other day how like, I almost get overwhelmed sometimes with my like 20 reptiles. How do you go through that much care, that much feeding, all of that? So many. I'd say my biggest problem is, is space. Um, I'm pretty much out of it right now, so it's hard to grow. I actually just, just got into a warehouse. Um, I go to school in Orlando. Most of my animals are actually in South Florida right now. Um, but I actually hired a couple employees who are there a few times a week to do maintenance when I'm not there, obviously. Um, and that's going to be you know feeding all the baby snakes, feeding the adults, um, just spot cleaning bins every other day for the snakes. Um, and then my mom, actually, she just retired from her baking business, and she took over the gecko room. So she, she loves the geckos. She feeds them, um, and she takes care of the geckos every, every other day for me as well. And then my dad is the one who's in charge of breeding um, the lubrids when I'm not there. So he'll go and just make sure none of the Florida kings are eating each other when they're paired up or 
um, everything's getting switched. All the males are getting moved around to who they need to fertilize and and stuff like that. It's pretty tricky, but I, I got it down to a T at this point since I've been doing it for a couple of years now. Um, you know, not being there all the time and stuff. It's it's tricky, but I make it work. It's almost like a like a family business at this point. Yeah, I mean, my parents my parents volunteer to do it, which I'm very happy about. And even more than that, they volunteered basically for me to use um half of their house for my business i mean i have the backyard is turned into a sulcata uh breeding ground um my neighbors don't like me so much but um the 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 tortoises are taking over the back i have half of my living room sectioned off the garage is where the snakes are in my old bedroom i actually just got rid of my bed um when i went to school to fill to fill my old bedroom with geckos so that's my gecko room now wow Space is the biggest. That's exactly. Well, I had a I had a loft bed too, but it just wasn't. I filled that up. I mean, I keep saying, you know, the only way to grow if you're out of space is just go vertical. Get taller racks, start yeah. stacking rounds, get a couple of ladders, and and put in the work. You know. Um, so I always like to give the geckos nice grow out bins and you know bigger bins, upgrade the sizes, and it just takes up a lot of room, especially especially the geckos. So we're trying to figure it out now. The warehouse is filled with um, the the snakes I have for sale right now. I'm bringing some geckos up here. Um, some of my breeders, like my Chihuahua geckos, um, recently got pretty into those. So we to be bringing up a few colonies, a few pairs of those up up to Orlando to work with here. That's awesome. With all those reptiles, what sets you apart from other keepers? Um, I would say variety. Um, I mean, I go. I I got out of you know doing imports a few years ago just because it wasn't really worth it for me. I was I started flipping some stuff at the shows, and um, I really just realized you know for me, um, and what I wanted to do with my business, capture bread was what worked for me because I like breeding everything myself. Um, and I, I will buy stuff here and there, you know, to fill in my inventory if I'm doing a show, if I'm out of snakes. I have a lot of friends who breed, and when they're, you know, when they're overwhelmed with babies, maybe I'll buy some of theirs. But um, everything I sell is captive bred, and um, I'd say I have a really big variety of captive bred stuff, and you don't see that too often. You know, a, a ton of species of colubrids and um, a lot of geckos, and then I got monitors on top of that, and rock iguanas, and you name it, I have it, except ball pythons. I don't mess with those just because there's too many to, to get into. <laughs> yeah. yeah but so let's backtrack a little bit on those hunter and milk snakes. That's definitely something that I know I wanted to talk about. And I'm sure yeah, everyone's interested in here. Everyone here is interested in the hunter. And well, we all love the hunter and milk snakes around here. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. That's what got me into it. Um, I know you posted on Instagram the Halloween. Honduran. Oh, yes. Can you tell us about that? So I stumbled upon a couple um, a couple babies from someone's clutch on Morph Market. Um, some guy, just a hobbyist breeder, he only has one pair. Um, and I happened to find he had produced these tangerine Hondurans with um, super high black. So if I... You know, I'm starting to work with that project. I posted on Instagram. You guys can go check it out. Um, really, really cool looking snake. I've seen nothing like it. 
Um, maybe there's somewhere out there, but um, I haven't seen any like that. Um, I'm excited to work with that because that would be really pretty awesome looking adult sank. Um, and if I can, you know, turn it albino or even get some hypo in there eventually, that'd be, that'd be my end goal. Yeah. I saw the, the Halloween's as well on Instagram. Yeah. They're beautiful. Uh, do you have a favorite morph of Hunterum? As of now, that might be, that might be my favorite. Uh. Um, it might be, I'm really into, you know, I'm really into the third eye herp line of the anneries, like the really black, um, anneries snakes. I think yeah. those are really cool looking, like the dirty anneries where they have, you know, a lot of black flecking and um, it's almost like an IMG where they kind of turn black with age. Um, anneries and, and some vanishing pattern stuff like the you cannot go wrong with the extreme hypo. Or, oh, yeah. Uh, vanishing pattern, extreme hypo. I mean, those snakes, there's no other snake in the world that's that color. Yeah, it's just you don't get it with any any other sank. So I think they're pretty underrated. There's, you just I don't I don't think I see them very often either. What the extreme hypos or Hondurans in general? The extreme hypos. I mean, Hondurans really aren't really that. Yeah, I mean, other than albinos are normals. Yeah, other than albinos are normals. I really don't see them at shows. Um, mm-hmm. And then yeah, extreme hypos are even harder to find. That's like. You know, your Pearl Honduran or your Snows or your Extreme Hypos. Um, that's not something you're going to see every day. So that's why I, I'm, I'm happy I was able to get my hands on some babies and grow them out. I'm, uh, I'm about a year off now from producing um, Extreme Hypos, but I should have a good amount. Because I have, I believe I have four Extreme Hypo females um, that should be wow. ready next year. And a, and a couple males to to get that done. So I'm... Fingers crossed I'll be producing them next year, which would be awesome. That's awesome. If you could work with any species, uh, no laws could stop you. There's like no space restrictions, uh, anything like that. What species would you work with? Bolin's pythons. For sure. One of my favorite. Bolin's pythons? Oh. Super expensive snake, really, really rare. Um, I don't think there's any restrictions on them, but I could be wrong. Um, they are one of the most beautiful snakes in the world, in my opinion. Just very few people can get them just because of the price and the rarity. But if I could, and at some point I hope I can, I mean, that would be, that would be my, my go-to. That's, so sure. that's definitely not what I would have expected for that answer. Whoever Bolin's pythons? Yeah. Well, I don't think I've thought of bullets and pythons for a while. I just thought you'd pick some far out colubrid. Well, I, I have all of pythons. I don't know if I told you about those. Oh, yeah. Australia. Yeah, you... I, I got a couple growing out. So you, haven't, you haven't been able to pair them yet? What was that? You haven't been able to pair those those olives yet? Oh, no, they're young still. Um, <laughs> I, had, I had purchased a clutch of them a couple years ago to, to resell. Um, and I just decided to keep a couple of them because they're so pretty and they get so big. It's like the closest thing you get to the size of a retic legally anymore. Um, I mean, you're looking at like a 12 or 13 foot long snake. So I thought it'd be really cool to work with those. Um, I have a couple of blackhead pythons too. I have, I have a few Australian species. I got Woma pythons and blackheads um, and the Australian olives. I got some children's pythons as well. Um, 
but yeah, Bowens, that's that's my next move, hopefully. But um, if you could find one, I mean, you're looking at at least seven or eight thousand dollars. So it's a, it's a really big commitment. Wow, and that's for a baby, baby. Yeah, that's for like a hatchling. Um, this is a little off track, but um, so you sell at shows. I know we talked about before. Yeah. And I was wondering, how successful is it at shows, at selling? Is it, like, the most of the stuff you sell, is it at shows, or is it on Morph Market? Like, how does that, how does that work? So, recently, I've been, I've been a lot more involved in Morph Market, you know, putting in the time, fixing some listings, taking better quality pictures. Finally, I got a new phone. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely selling more on Morph Market now, you know, consistent, um, shipping out you know, at least at least five or six animals a week at this point, which is good for me. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's where I sell my higher end stuff. Um, but the shows are where I do the most because a lot of people, you know, they come to me or they even put stuff on hold before a show. So I already have pre-sales on some stuff and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I'll sell, I'll sell the majority of my stuff at a show. But I do sell, I do sell quite a bit now in Morph Market. That was awesome. Yeah, I was wondering yeah. about that. Yeah, and, no, I, it's still definitely worth it for me to do the shows, I'll tell you that. At some point, I'd like to do all online, but that's in the future. What shows are you, like, regularly going to or selling at? So, I do almost every um, two-day show, two-day Repticon and, and Show Me Snake show in Florida. Um, and then I'm going to be doing Daytona again this year. Um, that's the NARBC show. Uh, but regularly, my biggest shows in Florida that we do are Tampa, Jacksonville, and Orlando. Um, I do go to Kissimmee and um, Pembroke Pines, which is where um, really close to my house, where where most of my stuff's at. Um, and I travel a little bit more, maybe Sarasota every once in a while. But Orlando, Jacksonville, and Tampa are my are my big three for year round. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really trying to get into to going out of state, though. Maybe to Atlanta, um, although I can't bring my corn snakes up to Atlanta, which is unfortunate. But, um, yeah, Atlanta or, or we were talking about maybe the Sacramento show. Um, that would be really nice to get out there, and especially Tinley Park, too. Just, oh, yeah. It's a, big, it's a big hassle getting all the animals up to those places, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's definitely a good challenge, just moving all those animals to expos. Yeah. Then, I mean, moving the ones that have been sold back, is like a, that sounds like a huge challenge. Oh, yeah. You have to pack a giant box and basically ship it to yourself and hope that everything gets there okay, then pick them up, then bring them to the show and do the same thing on the way back. It's a, it's a big hassle. Yeah. I'm sure it's not, it's not the best for the animals either. It might stress them out a little bit. That's why I'm kind of weary about it. Have you done that before? Like ship them somewhere and then pick them up? Never. Never? Never. No, Daytona is only about um, three hours from my house. So, we, you know, we just drive there um, and they're only there for the weekend. So it's not a big deal. But um, I haven't shipped all of them yet, which I'm, I'm a little nervous to do. I've heard, I've heard they're all going to be, I mean, I know people do and they say that it's, they never had a problem. Um, but I just, I don't know. I get pretty scared about that. Yeah, Especially I also have geckos and, and snakes in the same box, and some want warmer and some want cooler, you know. Yeah. I also wonder, like, 
if you're making your money back from shipping all of those, and then, you know, I mean, it costs a little bit to ship, you know, it's not completely free. So I wonder oh, yeah. if people that do that even make their money back at that point. Yeah, I mean, there's some people at, at the, the shows in Florida that don't even make their money back because every once in a while, you know, there'll be a show that's a flop, whether it's, um, I, I've seen it all. I've seen shows on, on Easter. I've seen shows on, you know, Mother's Day, whatever. And obviously, it's hit or miss. Father's Day is always a pretty good one because a lot of people come and get stuff for their, their dad. But um, yeah. some holidays, the sh- no one will come to the show. And, you know, you're paying for gas. You're paying for a hotel. You're mm-hmm. paying for dinner. You're paying for tables, and um, if no one's there to buy stuff, then you're going to end up losing money. So, I mean, I don't think I would. I, I don't think I should have a problem in Tinley, especially because they have a couple rare things. I should be able to make, you know, make my money back on the shipment just from those if I sell them. Um, yeah, but I don't know what to expect because I've never done that that show, and it's a really big show. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Tinley's, I've never actually been to Tinley. I I want to go through just um, buy stuff. But yeah, yeah, I kind of want to scope those big shows out, kind of, you know, just first to get an idea of maybe where I want to be in the show. Um, yeah, normally I got lucky with the Florida shows. I've been doing them for so long and consistently that I, I normally am at the front door, which is nice. Um, but Tim Lee, I don't think that's going to be the case. So it'll take years for me to get to that point. So I just want to yeah. see where I would be and, you know, what I should bring, what everyone else has at the shows. Um, it's it's tricky. It's a it's a weird game you got to play. Um, you got to be smart about it. You want to bring, you know, I don't, I wouldn't want to bring a hundred hundreds if every single table had a hundred, which I know isn't the case. Um, yeah, but I don't want to just make a mistake like that and ship them out there for no reason. You know. Yeah, you said you go to the one in Tampa, right? Yeah, Tampa Repticon. I do. I think four times a year, three to four times a year, depending on the on the schedule. Yeah, I usually go to that one every time. Obviously, I don't sell. Yeah, but that they one usually. I do pretty good at. Yeah, no. Um, I've seen your booth before, and yeah, there's like no other milk snake breeders there, or at least Hondurans. They're like there's Nelsons, I know, but right. Yeah, well, that's like most of I go to. Yeah. Just wait till just wait till I have the extreme hypos, then you could come visit and and buy a few. <laughs> yeah. With other stuff, and one day Halloween's. Although that's farther down the line, we're probably looking at at least three years until those males can breed. Maybe a little yeah. younger if I, if they're eating good. But um, uh, they're just coming onto frozen thawed now, so it should be a little quicker. They're a if little. That, if that is a first, would that be your first first? <laughs> like out of any morph? Oh. That's a good question. I mean, this year I'm looking at it first, hopefully, with some Nelsons. Um, it's kind of, I guess it would be the same thing, um, It's except it's reversed. So I have, I call them high white albinos. Um, okay. I produced a baby a couple years ago that was missing. If you've ever seen a Nelsons albino, it's uh, a white a white and red and yellow snake. Um but the red, you know, the red takes up about half the color, and so does the white. And then there's thin yellow bands um, in the middle of, of where the white is. So I had a baby that hatched out that was missing most of the red. So it was almost an all-white animal. Really, really interesting. It had almost like circles of red on the side, like a, like a, 
I, I, can't, I can't even describe it. It was really, really weird-looking snake. Um, and I'm pairing him back up with another high-white female I have that's not as high-white. Um, but if I do that, then it should be like a, almost like a, a... I guess I would call it a whiteout Nelson's? I, I don't know. I've never seen anything like that, so that might be a first, too, for all I know. I say Mike, because there's always some people out there that are hiding stuff or... Mm-hmm. Or uh, not not posting stuff online that they have, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that'd be interesting to see those as a normal too, because when that that albino gene changes and goes back to normal, then all that white would be black, which is why I'm saying it's similar to that um to that Honduran I got that that Halloween with all that black on it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like to kind of work that into albino or or hypo down the line too, because. Imagine that that level of um, black pigment, but hypo or extreme hypo, where it's purple. That'd be crazy. Yeah, that would be crazy. I'm really excited really? to get into Hondurans as well. Oh yeah, it's it's and they're really nice snakes too. I mean, after after a couple months of of them growing out, they'll naturally get nice, right? That's what I tell people. I mean, like even though I don't have time to handle all my snakes, I know that if I hash out a Honduran, like, and I wait four months. Um, and I pick him up. He's gonna be so chill and just wrap around my fingers. Compared to the day he hatches, you know, he's he's throwing literally projectile pooping on me and biting <laughs> all my fingers. It's 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 a nightmare. But um, yeah. they get really really sweet, especially the adults. Yeah, yeah. baby hunters are so fun. Yeah, yeah. Same with the pueblins. Oh my gosh! Don't get me started on the pueblins. <laughs> Those are nightmare babies. I. I Every time I have to like sex one or or carefully pop like a little baby, oh my gosh! I know I need to change my shirt right after. It's it's not a fun time of year. That's funny. That's the only downside of baby season is is all the all the messiness and the little oh how my hands get so itchy after all the little teeth go in me every day. I get bit <laughs> by a lot of milk snakes. Yeah, that's funny. They're not very sweet babies. So, Ethan, what gets you excited about the reptile hobby? I would say, I would say rediscovering, you know, my passion for different species. So, as I said earlier, like, you know, I, I work with a lot of stuff, and um, sometimes if I haven't seen it for a while, um, or I'm working with some other stuff at the time, and I might forget about how special one is to me or how really cool it is. Um, circling back to that, like if if I see one that excites me, it kind of draws me in back to that species a lot, and I'll you know I'll put more focus on on trying to work on a new morph of that, or um, or vice versa, and it, it switches up. But what gets me really excited is seeing new stuff, um, that I haven't seen before. You know, really colorful animals, really, um, animals are great. You know, character. A lot of these animals, people don't realize if they don't have reptiles, have personalities. Um, you know, every every animal is a little bit different. Um, even you know, even the hognose snakes I have. You know, they're not the smartest, but each one each one acts a little different. So that draws me in a little bit too. You know, um, just kind of seeing behavior, seeing you know if a snake acts a weird way, but. Um, I don't really know how to explain it. It just, you know, little stuff kind of spikes my appreciation again, um, if that makes sense. Not that I lose appreciation for any of these animals, but 
I, it, it draws me back into that species. Oh, that totally makes sense. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, I love seeing mm-hmm. snakes that also bring me back to like younger years, or even just like a ball python. I don't want to go breed ball pythons or anything, but I start my first snake was a ball python, and it's just that excites me a lot as well. Yeah, and that's going back to what you're saying. Like the other day, for example, um, the first snakes I bred were super rare. Um, it's called a Ruthven's king snake. Um, you see them every once in a while. There might be, I don't know how many there are on Morph Market right now, maybe one or two of them for sale. Um, you don't see them a lot. I don't know even how I got my hands on them. It was a crazy story. My dad um, met up with some guy on Craigslist who had one eye and lived in the woods. Um, what? Some pirate guy. I don't know. He was wearing like a pirate costume, my dad said. Some crazy story. This is totally legit. And he bought a pair of adult Ruffin's king snakes. Um, and I, I had them together. I didn't even think about breeding them. And they just, they had eggs and I hatched them out. I got really lucky. Wow. Um, and the first, I sold one of the babies. And the other day, the first snake I ever sold, which was one of these Ruffin's, um, the owner reached back out to me. I guess he found me and realized that I was still doing reptiles. Because I had sold it to him when I was maybe 12 years old. Um, and he actually invited me out to see all his collection. And I got to see the, the first Ruffins I ever produced. So that was really, really cool. Um, cause I, I don't get to see him ever. I mean, it's not, it's not a snake, you know, you can't really see one even if you wanted to. Yeah. I'm sure there's one in those zoos somewhere in, um, in Texas or something, but I don't know. I, I, I don't see him ever. So seeing the first snake I ever produced is really cool. Really That's interesting. Really cool. Kind of draw me back right into that species. And I was on Morph Record the whole night that night, you know, just looking for more to see if I could get my hands on some. But um, I don't know. I didn't really see any that that caught my eye as much as the first one, obviously. That's more of a special sink to me. Are you planning on getting back into them? So I actually um, I have a pair now, but oh, I, I have the original male. The female passed away last year. Um, they were older, um, but I have the male and I'm, I'm trying to get a female because I would like to produce them again, but seeing like one other than the one male I had, they look, they look really different. Each one looks a little different, um, kind of a narrow head and, and, uh, interesting looking scale pattern. It's like almost like a, a scarlet king snake, but giant. Uh-huh. Um, they're about five feet long and about as big around as like um, probably an inch and a half around, like in terms of, of diameter. So interesting looking snake. They're really sweet, though. It's almost like if you ever held a work with a gray banded king snake where they're kind of, um, you know, a little clumsy, but slow moving and, and just gentle. It's like a gentle king snake. So they're really, really cool animals. Yeah, that's really cool. I don't think I've even heard of that. Or I think I have. I don't, I don't think you have either. I mean, I would I wouldn't think so unless you've, you know, dove into all the the locality kings, which I haven't even. Okay, I've I've heard of them, but I don't think I've ever actually seen one. Yeah, I'll send you guys some pictures. They're really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd hope to produce them again. I actually have a picture of them hatching. Um somewhere on my phone from like seven years ago whatever it was um i'm gonna try to find it because it was so cool 
you know, hatching your first snakes is, is like a feeling you'll never forget. You know, same thing with the first crest snake I ever produced. It's not a big deal to most people if they've already bred them, but um, when you do your first, when you see the first baby you actually produce, it's a really awesome feeling. Yeah. I should have never sold it, but the fact that I got to see it was it was so pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Wrap this up. Where can our listeners find you? So my page is SoFlow Reptiles on Instagram, Facebook. I just made a TikTok. Um, and then I'm also on Morph Market under that name. Awesome. And Kyle, what about you? Where can we find you? Sorry about Instagram at each one exotics, as well as I just started a TikTok account, which is also D20 Exotics. So I'll be going live from TikTok and Instagram occasionally. And what about you, Bryce? You can find me on Instagram at Prime Exotics with an X. And we also started a Instagram account for this podcast, same as the name, just Reptipod. And also we have a Discord server called Reptile Palace. And every episode we record, we go live. So if you guys want to listen to it live, you guys can join the Discord. All the links will be in the description below. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. And make sure to check out all of our socials.